I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. Mary Ellen Carroll is the director of San Francisco's Department of Emergency Management. But this year, her title might as well be the Master of Disasters. Whether it's the COVID-19 pandemic, wildfire smoke, or creepy orange skies, it's her job to figure out how the city should respond. She's joining me to talk about her wild 2020, the city's plans for reopening this fall, and how we can help our kids get through this misery. She talked to me from her office at the bustling Department of Emergency Management, so you might hear a lot of beeps and other sounds. Mary Ellen Carroll, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I was just looking up um, the story about when you were hired almost exactly two years ago by Mayor Breed to lead the city's Department of Emergency Management. And at the time, the mayor said, I know that with her in charge, the city will be ready when disaster inevitably strikes. Did you ever imagine that the disasters would all strike at the same time? Um, No, (laughs) no. Uh, You know, of course, we all I've been doing this particular line of work for 15 years here in San Francisco. And of course, you know, the big one that you fear or are waiting for is an earthquake. And uh, we got this instead. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so was not really it it isn't it wasn't that it wasn't nothing I had ever thought of. I started doing this work at the Department of Public Health and mm-hmm. actually worked on the pandemic plan fifteen years oh, wow. ago in the beginning of my career. So well, that's good. Yeah. Good training. But then we also of course got the wildfires and apocalyptic skies and everything else. So one thing after another. So how are you coping um, in your job? Like, can you describe an average day and if you're able to sleep at night or, you know, too much and you can't even yeah, <laughs> get a good um, night's rest? It's, it's busy. It's constant. Um, you know, we, we, uh, in the first probably three or four months, we were working seven days a week, um, probably 12, 14 hours a day. Um, we've all been able to at least carve out one, one weekend day a week because, you know, we just realized how much endurance we're going to need to, mm-hmm. get, to, to keep going. Um, so there are long days. Um, I have kind of three work, work places that I work. I usually start at home in the morning because my, my meetings start like between seven 30 and eight. Mm-hmm. I usually do like my seven to nine 30 meetings at home. And then I come into Turk Street, which is where my regular office is in 911 uh, the operations mm-hmm. is. And then I usually will go over to Moscone Center South for part of the day. So um, so there's a lot of this, a lot of mm-hmm. you know, Zoom meetings, a lot of devices mm-hmm. that I carry around and just a lot of, um, you know, they say putting out fires. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, figuratively for us, but it feels literal sometimes. Yeah. Um, How late are you usually working every day? Um, usually till, I mean, we usually, usually till like eight or nine. Oh, wow. Um, Long kind days. of wrapping up our meetings and usually it depends what day it is, but between six and 7 PM. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have your side conversations and things to wrap up. Um, yeah. I, I am, uh, uh, for me, exercise is, kind of the most important thing to keep me um, sane. Mm-hmm. So I'm a surfer and I oh, fun. am a runner. So I, I live near the coast. So that's good. But now with all of this air and everything, I, I will admit that I, um, that I've joined the Peloton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is becoming quite the tribe. I haven't tried it yet, but maybe if the air doesn't get better, I'll have to. 
Um, and are you able to sleep well at night or do you see so many awful things each day that it's hard? Yeah, I sleep, I sleep pretty well. Good. <laughs> I sleep pretty well. Yeah. And as we're talking now, the air quality in San Francisco is um, among the worst in the world. According to some charts I just looked at, it's red and even purple in a couple of spots. Um, what are you advising San Franciscans um, right now with this horrible air, especially those who are homeless or need to be outside for work or for some other reason? Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're, I believe we're still at red right now, which is unhealthy for unhealthy for children and for people that have heart or lung issues. Um, so the advice really is to try is to, to avoid going out and certainly avoid any sort of strenuous activity outside. Um, and, uh, and to, um, you know, I think it's, this is not, we're not just experiencing bad air. We're experiencing seven months of a global pandemic of shelter in place of heat lightning. I mean, you name it, we've sort of experienced actually don't name it because it'll probably Um, That's a later question. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, it's not just about protecting yourself from the air, but it's sort of like, how do you, how do you just sort of um, take care of yourself holistically and, you know, from a, from sort of an emotional psychological perspective. Um, And there's all different ways to do that, I think. Mm -hmm. Does it depend on the person or do you have any that you think everybody should be doing? Yeah, any tips? I mean, you know, like yesterday we had, yesterday was orange Wednesday, right? Um, today the sun didn't shine in San Francisco. Um, and a was lot that of- on your bingo card for 2020? <laughs> Honestly, it was not. Um, it was on my, like, when the world ends. Card, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but the good news is the world didn't end. Well, here, you and I are sitting here talking. Um, and so you know, and a lot of people, I had put something on social media that, oh, we're working on talking points for kids. And like so many people are like, what about the talking points for adults? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, you know, the thing is that what I found over this last seven months that we've been in this is that it has served me incredibly well to try to be in the moment as much as I can. Um, and sort of like, what is the next best thing for me to do both in my job and sort of as a human being? Um, so, um, you know, what I sort of recommend people do that, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, stay informed so, so that you understand what's going on yesterday morning. We were kind of scrambling because we wanted to put messages out. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, even just acknowledging what's happening. Yes, we know this is happening. Um, Mayor Breed put out a video yesterday, which I think I really appreciated. And I think it's helpful just to be like, well, because if you're, if I think it's the, the, it's the unknown that's very fearful for it mm-hmm. causes a lot of fear in people. And um, so there are things that we don't know. We don't know when this is going to be over. We don't know when the air is going to clear exactly, but we know that it will, you know, we know that it And um, for me personally, what gets me, what has gotten me through all of this is the people I work with, um, seeing, seeing city, my, my colleagues in the city and hundreds of hundreds of them, if not a few thousand who come into work every day and, and really sacrifice everything to do the work of the city on behalf of the people in San Francisco. And so if I can um, 
So for me, looking out for them is really important. And um, that helps me feel like, okay, I have a job to do. I can't give up because I feel responsible um, for not only doing right by the city of San Francisco and everyone here, but also by these these really dedicated humans who are working their butts off and Mm -hmm. sacrificing a lot. And if I can make sure that they're okay, that gives me purpose and, you know, helps me to keep going. Yeah. How did you feel when you woke up yesterday morning and there was no sun and the skies were such a strange orangey red color? Well, it's funny because I did, I got up first thing um, and I did yoga in the spare bedroom. Um, my daughter's old bedroom actually, which is mm-hmm. my yoga studio. And, um, and I was, uh, I didn't really, it has to like one window. So I didn't go, I didn't know. And so I did like an hour of yoga and then I went out to get my paper <laughs> like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> um, it was just very odd, you know. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, we had another incident. Uh, there was an there, so you know, I also am responsible for 911. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of things that happened in the city, not terribly unusual, unfortunately, but some some pretty like significant incidents that happened. And so while I was wondering what was happening with it outside, you know, I was talking to the to Chief Nicholson, the fire chief, about an incident that had happened and we were trying to, you know, figure it out. So the thing about this job and is that there is there's never a dull moment. And when you think like there's this one thing going on, there's always something else. Yeah. Um, and so there's this, I don't know, I, I don't really believe in multitasking necessarily, but um, switching from one thing to the other. It just, you just have a different perspective. I certainly do after being in this job for a couple of years. Yeah. Were you getting very many calls yesterday from concerned San Franciscans? Like was anybody calling 911 to report the so sun had, it, had disappeared? <laughs> that is such a good question. So um, I, I came right into, I came here into Turk Street to, to my office just to, because first always when something goes down, I want to sort of check in with 911 and see how we are, how are we staffed? Are we ready? Um, and, um, and I was on a call with, you know, one of our just sort of check-in calls and we were hearing 311 was inundated with oh, calls. Wow. But so I went across the hall to talk to my folks and 911 was eerily quiet. So I had this image of San Franciscans like in their bed like with their pillows over their head like calling 911 I'm sorry <laughs> calling 311 what's happening why is this guy um so thank thankfully we have such we have such a great um 311 program and it really helps us at 911 that people know to call them for non-emergency yeah uh, issues like why is the sky orange <laughs> I could see that being an emergency but I guess 911 <laughs> wouldn't really be able to do much about it <laughs> Uh, San Franciscans, they, they did not call 911 yesterday, so which we, which we appreciate. Cool. Um, and you mentioned a bit earlier that you were looking at ways to talk to kids about all of this. Um, what are some of the highlights in term, for parents that are doing their best, but there's so much going on? Yeah, it's interesting. There's um, I was talking a, a lot of um, my staff have, have kids. And um, so uh, first is to like ask them how they're feeling, um, you know you know, do you have any questions? How are you feeling? Because some kids, um, one of, somebody was just telling me that their daughter is like, oh, it's cool. It's like we're on Mars, you know? Um, And so it's, I think it depends on the age of your kid um, about how much you want to tell them. Um, 
for those real precocious, smart, um, curious ones who like want to know, you know, you can explain that the, you know, that the fog, that there's a lot of fires. I, I would be surprised that kids are so sheltered that they don't know that, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of fires going on, not, not near here, but enough so that, you know, it comes in and, and there's a thing that happens with the fog that holds it up there, but that, you know, that it will pass just like sometimes we have sunny days, sometimes it's foggy, sometimes it's warm and cold. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes it's orange. Yeah, I think it's harder. I, I you know, the, the hardest thing for me, to be honest, is that my, my son is uh, just graduated uh, from college with a degree in environmental studies. And I have a 19 year old daughter and um, young adults their age, they know everything about this mm -hmm. and it is heavy. It is a heavy burden mm -hmm. um, that they carry and they know it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so they have a lot, you know, the future of this planet is really on their backs and, um, and we can help them to the extent that we can while we're here. So it really depends on, on your kids. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to tell your seven-year-old, I don't think the, the, all the truths about climate change and what, what, you know, what the real mm -hmm. sort of future holds for them. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Heather Knight, and I'm back with Mary Ellen Carroll, the director of San Francisco's Department of Emergency Management. And of course, we're also seven, six, however you count, months into the COVID-19 pandemic with no end to that insight either. Um, how do you think San Francisco is doing on that front? There's this push and pull over opening too fast, opening too slowly. And, you know, everybody's angry that one thing or another isn't open. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I'm very proud of, of what, we've, what we've been able to accomplish. Um, we are... I wouldn't say we're lucky. It, it was, we all worked hard to avoid what we've seen in other cities and the loss of life. Um, I think as of today, there was 87 deaths, which is 87 too many um, due to COVID in the city. Um, and compared to a lot of other cities, you know, we avoided a lot more deaths than that. So that is, that, that does not negate the suffering that this entire thing has caused, the loss of businesses and livelihood, um, the, the, the pain of, of the lack of connection. You know, you have young children and what, you know, what this is like for them. I mean, I, I just, um, it is so, it is so hard. Um, and we appreciate everyone's hard work on this. I think we've got to keep moving forward. We have to keep pushing reopening. Um, and we are. Um, and, and in order to keep moving forward, we've, we've got to do all the right things. So we have to wear our masks. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't, I can't stand them either. <laughs> How um, many masks do you own now? Many. <laughs> I have many, I've decided to just adopt them as a, um, fashion accessory. Yes, exactly. So, um, 
So I think, you know, we also have to have just more discipline and it's so hard to ask and it's so hard to do, Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, really refrain from going outside of our, our sort of social bubbles that we've established, um, and to, and when we do to take all the necessary precautions, that is the only thing that's going to get us through this. Right. Last weekend, of course, I haven't even mentioned the other issue, which was the huge heat wave and then the resulting parties and bonfires on Ocean Beach and police didn't really do much other than drive through, I think. But um, do you think that there needs to be more enforcement around, you know, blatantly breaking the health orders? Yeah. So, you know, we really, we don't, we do not want to approach this from like a heavy handed enforcement perspective. We want to use education and support to, to get to compliance. Um, and, you know, the fact is everyone's suffering, everybody I, that, you know, I think probably on the planet, but to certainly in our city, we all have such big losses from this, um, from the situation and, um, coming at people and finding people is not, um, what the mayor wants to do. Um, we, we want to try to do this together. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of the things that we have worked on is we have this compliance plan where we're, we're going to assign, um, we have a group of people that's been working together. We want to address compliance and focus on highest risk, um, so that we're really, um, you know, as we learn about this disease, because this is such a dynamic situation and has been from the beginning that we are, um, providing the right information in the right way. And that could be from a language perspective. It can be from a cultural perspective. It can be from a messenger perspective um, and provide the materials and tools for, for everyone. And that, that in particular is for, you know, the reopening for businesses, for schools. We are very deep right now into um, supporting the school reopening and the waiver process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, all of those things, testing protocols, it's, it's super complicated. Yeah. Um, so much work that we're coordinating on a daily basis. Um, but that's really our approach. And um, we're also open to, in fact, right after I talk to you, I'm going to be talking um, through our recovery task force on this very issue that you brought up. How do we get, how do we get to compliance? But so far, it's all public awareness and education. Yes. And, and um, you know, we will be looking, I mean, if we have, you know, if we have um, people who, basically, if people want to comply, we're going to work with you. If, you know, where, where we will look to enforcement is when we know we have really egregious noncompliance, when people know what to do, they have the tools, and they do not do them. And that is the only place in which we would you know, probably, which we will, you know, address, address it, from, address it from an enforcement perspective, but we're really hopeful. And I really don't think that that is, I don't think that's what the vast majority of people um, would, you know, the vast majority of people want to, to move forward. And I think want to do the right thing. And even what happened this weekend, um, it was really frustrating. I'll tell you, it was frustrating to me because we had to shut down the the parking lots to the beach and it was terribly hot. I'm assuming you were here. It was, Mm -hmm. I I was in the city riding my bike around all day on Sunday. It was, it was hell. Um, and you know, it just, it, I was thinking about like the families that are trying to get to the beach, right? We don't, 
we're not a we're not a town with people with big backyards. You know, we have many many families that live in apartment buildings. They don't have any outside space. The parks were too hot on Sunday, so you know, it's like it's a little it's it's just it's just hard. We we have to we have to have like the bigger picture for the mm-hmm. for the greater good, and we just have to keep reminding people of that. Yeah. You're also closely involved with homelessness and um, the swelling 10 encampments. The Tenderloin has gotten a lot better on that score after the settlement with UC Hastings, but some other neighborhoods are reporting an uptick in camps there. Um, What do you think the city can do about it with less money coming in? Although Prop C money has been released, so that's good. But um, in general, revenue is expected to drop significantly and um, poverty increasing. Yeah. So we are, um, so there are a lot of there are a lot of great programs moving forward um, with uh, through the Department of Homelessness and Support of Housing. Um, the the plan to um, to add on a you know a, ne- a a big number, and I I'm not super fluent in this um, on on the details of the plan, um, although I um, and and I work very closely with them. Uh, my our responsibility through emergency management is to support and coordinate the street um, operations. Um, we we are continuing to um, address large encampments every day here in San Francisco. We continue to have access to resources to do so. So um, all of the work we're doing currently is under COVID response and um, we have safe sleep sites. We still have hotels available for those that are eligible. Um, and you know the congregate the congregate system is slowly reopening. Um, what we've been able to do, what I have observed, um, especially during this COVID time, is really hone the work that we do to address and try to get solutions for people that are not just like off the street into a hotel. Um, what's been really interesting in some of the safe sleep um, in the safe sleep program is that it's turned into sort of this calming place for people to kind of get off the street, get settled, and then we are able to kind of figure out what people need. And sometimes that we find they have medical issues and so they go into a hotel. Sometimes it's like, oh, they're on the list for a coordinated, you know, they're eligible for housing. Oh, they really want to go back to wherever they are, we come from Nevada. And so, um, you know, we're going to continue to, to address the needs of folks and, and continue to do everything we can to make the streets healthy for everyone. Um, I know it is, it has been very hard on San Franciscans, the, the uptick, and we're seeing homelessness in places that we haven't before and in residential areas. And I talk to people, I talk to those neighbors all the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're going to continue to work on it. I think that we have a good plan citywide. I think Prop C is going to be helpful. Um, and, and we have to remember we are still in a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, and generally speaking, and knock on wood, but, but our homeless population has, has endured this um, you know, surprisingly well. That's not where we've seen a lot of the um, the disease spread or morbidity in that area. And so we want to continue to create safe, safe places for, for folks so that we see that trend continue. 
Great. Well, you've survived all my serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Okay. That's the serious part. <laughs> I know. Where's your favorite place to get a burrito? Oh, El Toro. Okay. Valencia. Spot on. So many people say that place in the mission. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, I think it's the, I think it's, I will have to say the birds. Okay. Because I'm still shook by. by <laughs> <laughs> uh, thinking back about a decade ago when bars were open, where was your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Oh, um, Boozland on Larkin. Nice. What was your first concert? Um, okay, my first concert. Okay, this is going to completely age me, and it's also going to do it. It's a geography thing. Um, but I'm from Philadelphia, and my first concert was the Hooters. So <laughs> um, that is only – the Hooters are, like, of a certain age and, and place and time. Okay. So anyone knows that. Yeah. To me, that's the weird, like, burger restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What was the last book you read? Um, the last book I read was uh, The Seven Necessary Sins for Women and Girls. Mm. I highly recommend it. Sounds good. <laughs> Which do you think is going to come next, locusts or an alien invasion? I'm going to say alien invasion because it seems less likely. And, uh, <laughs> so and everything that you're not expecting is happening this year. Yeah. If we can't have blue skies, what is the next best color in the rainbow to see when you wake up in the morning? Oh, uh, the next best green. Okay. Will 2021 be better? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Yay. I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope I'm right too. It might, the it might be like, like second or third quarter of 2020. Okay. But eventually. <laughs> eventually, yeah. What are you most looking forward to about the pandemic ending? Um, I'm, I had a feeling you were going to ask this question um, and I'm still not prepared for it, but I think um, travel, yeah. travel and connection mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Um, exercise always. Cool. And are you talking to me from Turk or Moscone or I can I'm see your street? Yeah, Turk I'm street. in my office. Um, okay. If I was at Moscone, I would be wearing a mask. That's how okay. you know. <laughs> We're very strict there. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. Yeah, you too, Heather. Thank you to Mary Ellen Carroll for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. 